Welcome. With Michael Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. As a serious XM and CNN host, I'm known for speaking, but frankly, I read for a living. I need to know what to say, and so I consume over two dozen newspapers and websites daily. I read opposing views and studies and court cases and orders and op-eds just so I can discuss current events on radio and television. But my favorite reading? Books. Old school. And my favorite interviews are with book authors. Book Club with Michael Smirconish is now in session. Jack Bogle is the founder of the Vanguard Group. Time Magazine has said, Mr. Bogle, that you are one of the 100 most powerful and influential people in the world. As they said in Caddyshack, so you got that going for you, which is nice. Which is nice. (laughs) Uh, I'm all preoccupied with the war on terror and external threats to the United States. This weekend I read your new book, The Battle for the Soul of Capitalism. Now I'm alarmed about things that are going on here at home. Right. I agree with that. Uh, uh, I mean, I get no further than the dedication. You have 12 grandchildren? I do. And and you say, here's very interesting, you say, my generation has left America with much to be set right. What are you referring to? Well, I'm referring to many societal problems we have, gap between the rich and poor, for example, but I'm particularly referring to a financial and economic system, a system of capitalism that, in my opinion, has gone badly awry. All right, you're going to have to explain this to me in terms that I can understand because I'm a radio guy and a a lawyer, although I think that you wrote the book. What's nice about the way you structured the book is that you continually give a, a, a refresher. You know, like, here's where we've been, and now here's where we're going next, which I found to be of benefit. You quote, you do a play on words from the the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. Talk to me about why you did that. Well, I did that because uh, I guess we all know, as a matter of history, that no empire goes on forever. We don't want to believe that, but we ought to be thinking about whether the U.S., at the height of its power all over the globe, isn't something like the Roman Empire when it was at the height of its power all over its known globe of those days. and. They had a whole lot of internal weaknesses, self-love, bread and circuses. You can go the whole routine, but it lasted for something like 400 years, and then it was gone. I don't think the United States has to have a, quote, empire, quote, that's going to be gone. But I think if we ignore the need to fix the problems of the day, and they're serious problems, uh, we are going to be gone. But from my vantage point, you know, oil prices are, are higher than they, they should be, although they've they've come down. It seems to me that folks who want a job can get a job. Interest rates are low, so home ownership is, is doing fine. And although some, some fat cats on Wall Street are making too much money, stock market seems pretty robust. Where's where's the beef? Well, I mean, I guess I'd say one thing, and I, I point this out in the in the first chapter, and that is we have we have developed a tremendous gap between rich and poor. Uh, and even rich and average. Uh, I point out that, this, that while the salary and compensation of the average CEO, talk about the upper crust, has gone up is net from maybe 40 times the compensation of the average worker to 340 times, that's a newer figure than I have in the book, uh, the average worker has had real compensation in 1980 to date, 25 years, has gone, gone in real dollar terms, not nominal, we're adjusting for inflation here, from $14,900 a year to $15,900 a year. And that's not good enough. And to me, that only scratches the surface because we saw, for example, in New Orleans and we see in some of the depressed inner city parts of this great nation, there are a lot of people who are not participating in the great American capitalistic system. And this comes from Jack Bogle, lifelong Republican. 
Lifelong Republican. Right? Yes, sir. Uh, we're thrilled to have you here, by the way. It's, it's, it's a real pleasure to finally make your acquaintance. Uh, one of the things that you talk about in the book is, is how capitalism was, is a system founded on honesty and decency. How so? Well, when you think about where capitalism arose, and I tell this story in the book, it arose in England at the ter- at the when we were moving from the uh, 18th century into the 19th. We started to have factories. We needed financial institutions. We started to have more global trade, and you needed capital to do all those things. And in England, believe it or not, the people that had most of the capital were Quakers. That should sound pretty good here in Philadelphia. And the Quakers relied on one another. They trusted one another. A man's word was his bond. Uh, and other merchants, seeing that that worked so well for the Quakers, uh, started to adopt the same principles. Uh, so capitalism began really as a system of trusting and being trusted. And I see that eroding very, very bad. Got to live up to your commitments, essentially. Live up to your commitments. If you don't, the system falls apart. Right. Call, exactly. call them contracts or something else, but, but, but men have to stand by their word, or exactly. women, or whatever the case may and be. And there, interestingly enough, is a quote in the very latter part of the book from Alan Greenspan that's, that almost says, Exactly what you just said, Michael. Um, in the, uh, I guess, was it in the early 50s? You're at Princeton? Yes. And you do your thesis. Right. You tell it to me in language I'll understand. Okay. Well, I was sitting in the, uh, I won't make it too long, but I was sitting in Firestone Library, brand newly opened, looking for a, a thesis subject in the economics department that no one had ever written on before. And in Fortune magazine, I stumbled on an article about the mutual fund industry and wrote my thesis about it. It was a tiny business then got a billion-dollar business. Today, it is an $8 trillion colossus, the largest financial institution in America. So I wrote my thesis about mutual funds, and mutual funds, for people that aren't into this too much, are simply uh, investment companies that pool the assets of a wide range of investors and invest them cooperatively, if you will. Uh, are they now part of the problem? In other words, did, did Jack Bogle inadvertently create something that is now part of what he sees as being wrong with American capitalism? Well, that, that's a great question, and uh, because this industry was very different when I wrote about it back in 1951. It was private companies. It was small companies. It was companies that were made up of investment professionals, uh, and they did their job. They were trustees pretty much for other people's money. As I say in the book, it was a profession that had elements – as all professions do, elements of a business. Over time, that changed. The industry is now owned largely by huge financial conglomerates who, sad to relate, but understandably enough, are in business not to make not to make a return on your capital, you being the mutual fund investor, but to make a return on their capital. Uh, and the, the mutual fund investor has paid a tremendous price for And this. to do so in the short term. I mean, that's one of the other themes of your book is that, is that we are an impatient society. We are an impatient society. From an investment standpoint, I use the phrase, we were once an own-a-stock industry, and now we're a rent-a-stock industry. We you, hold stock for very short periods of you, time. You say that there's been a pathological mutation in capitalism. What does that mean? Well, it's, it's, to each his own is whether it's pathological, but the mutation has been from the traditional system of owner's capitalism, where the returns on investment went largely to the people that took the risks and put up the money to a system of manager's capitalism, not owner's capitalism, where the managers are taking far too excessive in the mutual fund business and in corporate America alike, far too excessive a share of the returns that are generated. Is that because stockholders have somehow abdicated their responsibility? And by the way, you know, what, what I'm trying to think of the, uh, the the words you use in the book, their, their stock, uh, you say they should be referred to as what? Not stockholders, but stock? Stock renters. Stock renters. Yeah. And uh, we've abandoned, uh, most financial institutions have abandoned the, their rights and responsibilities of corporate ownership. 
because they don't really own stocks. There are two problems. One, they don't really own stocks. They hold a stock for less than a year on average. But the other problem is they don't own stocks directly. They are agents for their principals who are the small investors, the pension plan beneficiaries, the mutual fund owners of America. So we have agents who are not representing their principals and taking too much of the money off the top as it goes along. You know, I I don't know if this is an example of of what Jack Bogle was talking about, but there were some stories in the newspaper in the last couple of days in the Journal, in the Inquirer, in the New York Times talking about Knight Ritter and how an investment group that's based down in Naples, Florida is now, I think it's related to Leg Mason, is now rattling the cage of Knight Ritter, owner of the Inquirer and the Daily News, among other newspapers, and saying, hey, you know, sell yourself or, or break off and sell your component parts. And I, I guess, you know, to fit this into Jack Bogle's world, it's, it's displaced ownership. It, it, it's not someone sitting out there or some group of people who are Americans owning stocks, but rather these middle people who are trying to speak for them. They're trying to make a quick profit and they're trying to focus. We have a I have a wonderful quote in there, a variation of a quote by Oscar Wilde. And he said that gave the definition of a cynic did Oscar Wilde as someone that knows the price of everything and the value of nothing. And that's the way our investment system is working. We're focused on the price of a company. We couldn't care less about the long-term intrinsic value. Jack Bogle, the founder of the Vanguard Group, he's got a new book. I have it in my hand. I read it over the weekend and enjoyed it. It's called The Battle for the Soul of Capitalism. This is Book Club with Michael Smirconish from Sirius XM. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM, Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. Jack Bogle, the founder of the Vanguard Group, he's got a new book. I have it in my hand. I read it over the weekend and enjoyed it. It's called The Battle for the Soul of Capitalism. Uh, Jack, a caller from Narberth wants to ask you something that's on my mind as well. But, Jerry, I will not steal your thunder. Go ahead. Uh, yes, Jack. In light of the fact that I believe that the ratio of a CEO to a worker in Japan is something like 10 to 15 times uh, the worker's salary. In America, I understand it's four to 600 times. Yep. In light of that, what do you think about the death tax being eliminated? Uh, I prefer to call it the estate tax. Okay, well, that tells us something right away, <laughs> you, Jack. If you're you not going to buy into that. Lesson. Uh, I think that we should raise the exemptions so people that shouldn't really be taxed uh, are not subject to it. But my goodness, to have uh, multi-billion-dollar estates to go free of tax, pay the, I'd say it's paying your dues to this great country with these legal protections, societal protections. And if the people that have accumulated those billions under the system, this wonderful system of capitalism, even though it's kind of broken at the moment that we have and have accumulated this wealth, don't want to pay a little something back, I think the federal government has every right to get a share of that uh, in the very, very large large estates. Jack, I'm I'm getting up at 3 o'clock every morning coming in here and working my fanny off. My wife's out there as well. And, and, and not only are we working hard so that we enjoy the benefits of our labor, but we have four kids and nothing's going to give me greater pleasure than knowing that when I check out, I'm leaving something for them. And I don't want Uncle Sam taking 50% of that. Now, well, I'm not in that category that you reference, obviously, but it's a matter of degree. And I'd say, for example, raise the exemption to $5 million a family, raise it to $10 million. I don't really care in that difference. You just want but to make one, sure that the very, very wealthy. Yeah, we don't need feudal France here in the United States of America. Uh, Jack, <laughs> uh, all right, let's go next to uh, uh, Vince. He is in Haynesport now on the Big Talker 1210. Go ahead, Vincent. 
Jack, this phenomena of shorting the market, has this helped the market and do the mutual fund industry uh, partake in that in a bigger way? Very few mutual funds do much shorting in the market. Uh, there's nothing the matter with short positions. There's much ma- nothing the matter of professionals that want to hedge doing short positions. But for the average man on the street, I would say do not go there. It's risky. It's speculative. In the long run, investment returns should be determined by economics and investment, the wisdom of investment rather than the folly of speculation. This is Ray. He's in Wilmington, Delaware, for our very special guest, Jack Bogle from Vanguard. Go ahead, Ray. Hi, Jack. Great show. Thank you. Listen, uh, have you read Das Kapital by Karl Marx? A long time ago, sir. Okay, it's good to reread it. It's good for Republicans and Democrats. Why, Ray? Why do you say that? In that book, he says that excessive greed will destroy capitalism. And he documents it, and what he documents is what's happening now. Too much of the capital is going into too few hands. All right. Jack Bogle, Gordon Getko once told us that greed is good. He, of course, of Wall Street movie fame. Is greed good? Uh, No, greed is not good. (laughs) Uh, Ambition is good. But listen, I have Herbert Hoover, probably the the most uh, skilled businessman ever to hold the office of president of the United States. He didn't do so well in that job. But he's a real capitalist. And he said the problem with capitalism is capitalists, quote, they're too damn greedy. And I've quoted that in the book. <laughs> this is Jim on a cell for Jack Bogle. Go ahead, Jim. Uh, good morning, Mr. Bogle. It's an honor to speak with you. Thank um, you. You had mentioned the growing gap between the rich and the poor, and I've been you know, reading a lot about it lately. But you also mentioned about those unwilling to participate. Given the fact in the last 40 years the government has spent trillions of dollars to help the poor with basic, with almost no success at all, what is what do you believe is the private sector solution to 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 motivate people who can just as easily get a get get free money from the government? The problem we ought to do doing all we can to help the poor and the underprivileged and the lower lower part of our society, the lower echelon of our society. And I've got to agree with you that what the government has done has not always been productive at all. And I think there's if there's a solution, and this is going to be a, take a long time to get done. I believe private enterprise. With all its innovation, uh, all its uh, skills, uh, all its entrepreneurship, ought to get more involved in solving these problems, even though they may have to pay to, to do it. I don't think private uh, business, private enterprise, should be relieved of the burden of helping to pay for it, but they ought to be there to help organize it in a much more businesslike and cost-effective manner. Jack, are you a flat tax guy? Uh, I think the the tax commission's idea of a flat tax, which is four levels is not a bad start at all. I think they go from 15% to 35%. Seems to be working overseas. Yeah. Uh, In the book, you call for the establishment of a new federal commission to do what? Uh, The new federal commission has to look into the real problem in our society, which is that these agents that are representing principals, pension fund trustees and mutual fund managers, aren't putting the interest of their beneficiaries first. So we need first a federal a statute saying fiduciary duty for for institutional investors, requiring that and setting up the standards for it. There also, also ought to be an examination of our whole retirement system, and this recent presidential commission did some of that. It's patchwork. It's all failing badly, private, public, uh, 401Ks, uh, all IRAs. None of them are creating the kind of wealth we need for retirement. Your level of concern on a 1 to 10 about the uh, the federal deficit? I'd say... Eight and a half. Eight and a half. I can't tell that's, you what. That's very concerned, I, by the way. I, 
Yeah, I can't tell you what a privilege it is to, to have you. You have to come back. I mean, I, I've, every line's lit and people have comments and questions and so forth for Jack Bogle. So we have to we have to do this on another occasion. The book is called The Battle for the Soul of Capitalism. Jack Bogle is the founder and former CEO of the Vanguard Mutual Fund. Thank you, Michael. Thank- Delight to be with you. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen to the Michael Smirconish program weekdays on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 and anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com.